So I want to start by saying that Psalm 78 is not like most of the other Psalms. The book of Psalms, which, as you probably know, is the longest book that we have in the Bible, is sometimes called the hymn book of the Bible because many, or perhaps all of the Psalms, were set to music and they were meant to be sung. So if we look, many of the Psalms have a little introduction right at the beginning, like Psalm 4, which has a note at the start that says, for the director of music with stringed instruments. Or Psalm 5, if we look at it, says, for the director of music for pipes. And as we know, many of the songs that we sing in church are inspired by words from the Psalms. And music and songs are important in all walks of life. We all listen to music, don't we? And our friends and our family members listen to music. We all have our favorite songs doesn't matter what age we are, songs and music are a vital part of life. And often we remember the words of songs much more easily than other things. For some reason, they stick in our minds. When uh, you combine words and music together, it's powerful, it's memorable. But the book of Psalms is also known as the prayer book of the Bible. The Psalms are not just there to be read or sung, but also to be prayed. And I often use Psalm 67 as I'm walking uh, to work in the morning to pray, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation to all nations. May God bless us. That's Psalm um, 67. Those words directly from the psalm I find helpful as a prayer. But Psalm 78 is not like most of the other psalms. For a start, it's a very long psalm. In fact, if I was to ask what is the longest psalm that we have in the Bible, I'm sure someone will tell us. The longest psalm is which one? 119. The second longest psalm in the Bible? Psalm 78. So we're not going to read the whole of Psalm 78. That would take too long. But it's known as one of the three great history psalms. Uh, It gives us an overview of the history of God's people. And it's very interesting to see what it has to say about what God has done and how people respond. So Psalm 78 isn't written as a prayer. And it doesn't have any musical instructions at the start. But that's not to say that it wasn't put to music or to say that it can't be used to inspire our prayers. I think it can. But it's a different kind of psalm. It's not like the other psalms. Now, having said that we're not going to read all of the psalm because it's so long, there are a few verses at the beginning that I do want to read because they're very relevant to what we're talking about and thinking about this morning. So I'm going to read verses 5 to 7 from Psalm 78. And this is what it says. The Lord decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. 
And as I've said, the whole of Psalm 78 is a reminder of things that God did for his people long ago. Things to help them, things to bless them. But in verse 5, we're reminded that the Lord also decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, he issued laws to Jacob and he gave instructions to Israel. And if you've been here the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples. And the way that we know what God wants us to do is by paying attention to his instructions. And it's not a given that we will pay attention to God's instructions. Psalm 78 begins with these words in the New Living Translation. O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. And as a church, we have a responsibility to the next generation, in fact, to every generation. But I believe that we have this shared responsibility to transmit and to pass on what we have heard about God and what we have heard from God. And there are some things, as it says in this psalm, that not everyone knows. There are hidden lessons from the past, as it says here. Jesus talks about the secrets of the kingdom. That's how Jesus describes what he teaches often. But we can make a commitment, and it's the same commitment that we find in verse 4, where it says we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation. And we're talking about God's truths and what God has done. We will not hide these things. We will tell them to the next generation. And speaking personally, I first heard about things that God had done when I was at school and I heard about those things uh, going to church but we stopped going to church as a family when I was probably eight or nine years old and it was when I was in my early 20s here in Southampton that I had the opportunity to hear again about the things that God had done and the interesting thing is that As a child, I hadn't really understood what it was all about. And suddenly, it began to make sense to me in my 20s. And it was then that I really understood what the message of the gospel was. And it was the first time that I responded, really, towards God as if God existed in obedience and faith, taking God seriously and taking what God has said seriously. So that's why... Personally, I'm very keen that we as a church don't miss out on, the, on people in their 20s. And if things are going to change, then it begins with having our ears open. Or to use the phrase that Jesus often repeated, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. It's about hearing. And at the beginning of Psalm 78, we have 
My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Listen to my instructions, is what God is saying. Open your ears. And God is a God who speaks to us. And this is a miracle in itself, the fact that God speaks to us. Hearing what God is saying to us is always a miracle. And doing what God tells us to do is a miracle too. So whenever we pay attention to what God is saying to us, whenever we respond to what God is saying to us, a miracle has taken place. And that's something that should encourage us, should inspire us to go on listening and obeying. And as it says here in Psalm 78, God issued laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles, not forgetting to obey his commands. That's the essence of what we have here. And this is the pattern that God has set for us. And this is something that we're all to be involved in. It's a shared responsibility, not something that's just for a few people. We've all got a part to play in this. And obviously we have to work out what that means for us as a church to have this as our focus or to make this a priority. And so here we are this morning, not too far into the new year, and we're going to spend a little bit of time together doing that. But there are other places in the Bible where we can go to find the same focus and the same instruction to transmit God's truth to the next generation. So Deuteronomy 6 is a well-known example. Let me just read a few verses for us. It begins in the same way. Hear, O Israel, verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down, and when you get up. And then we know that the very last thing that Jesus told his disciples to do at the end of Matthew's Gospel was to make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How do we teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded? Because that's obviously the task that Jesus is giving us to do. And it has to start with knowing what Jesus commanded. And then perhaps living ourselves the things that Jesus commanded. Living, providing an example for those around us. And we need help to do this, don't we? Which is why Jesus promised that he would be with them, that he would be with us to the end of the age. And that's why Jesus also gives us his spirit, the spirit of truth. All of this is so that we can pass on to another generation the things that we know about God. And it doesn't stop with Jesus. 
In his very last letter to Timothy, Paul makes it very clear when he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So it goes from Jesus to Paul to Timothy, to reliable people who then will teach others. So that's generation after generation after generation. As I said, Jesus told his disciples to teach others everything that he had commanded them. Paul says to Timothy that it's the things that he has heard Paul say in the presence of many witnesses that he's to entrust to reliable people who will in turn teach others. So we know the things that Jesus commanded from reading the Gospels. And we know the things that Paul taught by reading the book of Acts and by reading his letters. And I believe that God is asking us as a church to follow their example, to show that we as a church have heard and understood what we've been asked to do. The history of Portsford Church, which is our history, is one of faithful people, trustworthy and reliable people, who were committed to the same task as we have before us today. And they found a way. The fact that we are here today is evidence of that. They found a way to do it. And the proof of God's grace and the ongoing work of his spirit is that we're here this morning. So we also need to find a way, with God's help, to continue passing on what we've heard and what we know. Not only to our children and youth, that's going well for us, but also to those in their late teens and early 20s, which can so easily be this missing generation. And the way that Paul did it, and the way that Jesus did it, was to get alongside people, to get to know them, and to help them in the context of their everyday lives. Paul says, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. That's what Paul wrote to his friends in one of the churches that he started. And Jesus, what did Jesus spend his time doing He spent his time alongside his disciples so that they saw what he did, heard what he said in the context of everyday life. And as we've been hearing, Jesus instructed his disciples to go into towns and villages to search for someone who would respond well to their message and then to stay in that person's house. And there's no time limit that Jesus set for that They weren't told to rush about from village to village or town to town or house to house. They were to go, find someone who would listen, and then stay with that person for however long it took for them to pass on what they knew about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is alongside us too, day after day and moment by moment, teaching us and reminding us and encouraging us in our everyday lives. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, 
but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words.